This is an episode of the Emergency Podcast System of Rumble with Michael Moore, and I am Michael Moore. This has been um, 24 hours of, of uh, American history. I think that this is one of these 24 hours that will be talked about in the years and decades and even longer to come uh, because something, something took place it wasn't just that it took place yesterday because it's been building for some time. Um, so when I hear people say that they were surprised, I'm like, really? Um, shocked, I get, because, because and, and they keep referring to the War of 1812 when the British um, stormed the, uh, the Capitol building, but they were British. You know, that was, that was their job. There was a war going on. The building has never, ever been attacked by Americans. Never have we seen what happened yesterday. So let's leave the British out of it. You know, by the way, they, the main thing here to remember about the War of 1812 and the British is they burned down the White House. And, and the sort of ironic sense of humor that the British have always seemed to have, where they decided once they captured the White House, you know what would be really cool? Because, you know, the British had eliminated slavery around 1830. So why don't we go across the Potomac into Virginia, go to a plantation, attack it, free the slaves, and ask any of them if they would like to come back across the river and burn down the White House. <laughs> and so that's, that's how, that's the story. That's they, they, uh, there were many volunteers amongst the slaves, and it was actually the Canadian regiment of the British Army that did this. So actually, the, you also had the Canadian sense of humor going on there. That's the 1812 story. The 2021 story is that our fellow Americans, our brothers and sisters, uh, did this yesterday. And um, I just happened to turn the TV on because I'm a wonk for <laughs> wanting to watch the Electoral College. You know, they bring in the little tiny boxes that look like almost like, well, baby coffins. I hate to bring up that Im imagery, but... Um, but they do that. They do it's like a slow uh, processional. I put it in one of my movies once, and I, I put funeral music, um, mainly because I'm, I'm, I have a problem with the Electoral College, <laughs> but that's a discussion for another day. So I just turned it on yesterday around 1 o'clock to, to watch uh, the joint session of Congress with the senators and the uh, House of Representatives all together in, in the House uh, uh, room there, the chamber. And I saw... Um, our guest here uh, today on, on Rumble, uh, Congressman uh, from Flint, Michigan, uh, somebody who I've known for a very long time, and uh, and uh, his name is Dan Kildee. Uh, he has been on Rumble uh, before, and he is a part of the Democratic leadership in the uh, House of Representatives. He's a, a, a chief deputy whip, and um, so he he in a few others have the job of making sure that when they have a vote, that the votes are lined up and that they win. That's the very short uh, explanation of the job. And uh, so I see him, I see him on the TV. I see him, I see him there on the floor. Um, and um, they, they've just started uh, and they started with Alabama and they approved the Alabama electoral. They're counting, they're going to have a count and they're going to go state by state. And then there has to be, everybody has to approve. So they approved Alabama, and they approved Alaska, and then 
I don't know if I have my alphabet right, but I believe it was number three, Arizona. And as soon as they said Arizona, all of a sudden an objection went up from a member of Congress who did not want the votes of the people of Arizona counted. That, that they, are, they were essentially parroting Trump's line since the election that the whole thing is rigged and these aren't right and law was violated. All the stuff that every court has thrown out Every place he and Giuliani have gone, including judges that Trump appointed, said to hell with that. And yes, this is an accurate vote. And yes, it's approved. And in in five of these six states that they were going to go through yesterday, these are five of these states are run by Republicans or they have a Republican governor or they have a Republican legislature or the law was written by Republicans in these states. So. So here you have these Republicans in the House objecting, and you have to have, if you remember in Fahrenheit 9-11, um, when, when people had, I think, a legitimate reason to ask, why did they stop counting the votes in Florida between Gore and Bush? That, if you remember, if you're old enough to remember this, that, that was just an awful thing that happened, and, and it just went to the Supreme Court, and it was decided by uh, one vote, and, and, and the vote was by a justice appointed by uh, Bush's father. <laughs> so the whole thing just seemed awful. But anyways, um, you have to have a senator, one senator to sign the objection. And of course, they had, well, the day before, they had about 16 senators willing to sign these things. And so thus began a what was to be a two-hour debate just on Arizona, two hours in the House, two hours in the Senate. And um, the uh, uh, the debate ensues, and you, if you're if you're really wonky, you had the you had the toggle switch on your remote going back and forth between C-SPAN one and C-SPAN two because one's the House and one's the Senate, or you could have stayed on CNN or MSNBC, and you know they did their own toggling uh, back and forth, and um, at one thirty-two, this is just maybe twenty minutes into it. I get a text here from our guest, uh, the congressman, um, who I'm going to bring on here in just a couple seconds. And it, it um, well, actually, it was the day before. Ah, let me just bring him on. He can explain this. Uh, sorry to keep you waiting. Uh, this, I know there's a lot going on today. Uh, please welcome to Rumble uh, our congressman from Flint and the I-75 corridor that goes from Flint up through Saginaw and Bay City, Michigan, and north of Bay City, uh, uh, Congressman Dan Kildee. Dan, welcome. Thank you, Michael. Um, really appreciate this. And thanks for what you're doing. Honestly, I was just thinking about when I was walking in, if people would have listened, we could have avoided this. Well, yes. So, last time we were physically together was in the gallery during the impeachment vote. That's if right. these cowards would have listened then, we maybe could have avoided all of that's right. That well, that's so true. That night, that's right. Um, uh, myself and Basil, my uh, sister, we we all sat up in the balcony, the gallery there, and um, uh, you were down on the floor. Um, I remember that's the last time I saw John Lewis um, there, and um, um, we exchanged uh, heartfelt uh, gestures toward each other, and um, and that uh, that was a, a great great night um and of course the senate decided uh, not to remove him right. and you're right um had had the republicans in the senate decided to listen to the truth to the evidence 
Um, what happened yesterday could have been avoided, but um, that's not what happened. And I think, I guess I just want to jump right into, because the, the day before yesterday, which was, it was Tuesday. Uh, so the day before uh, this, uh, what I call a, a terrorist mob uh, uh, assaulted uh, the Capitol building. Um, you had sent me, you had sent me um, a text and it was just like, a, hey, how's it going? You know, everybody's back in D.C., you know, this week after the holidays. And and you said in there, <clears throat> this is getting to be a, it's, it's, it's feeling kind of scary here. Now, this is not yesterday when the assault took place. This was Tuesday. And I, I, and I didn't quite understand, like, did you mean that it was just scary like it's usually scary during the Trump era? <laughs> um or, or, but it, I just want to, I haven't had a chance to ask you this, but was it, are we talking about some sort of premonition here or was there actually some vibe, some tension in these first couple of days, you guys were all back uh, in session and uh, you know, people took their oath of office for the new Congress, the 117th Congress is it, but what, why'd you write me that? What, what was going on on Tuesday that yeah. you felt, you sensed that something just didn't feel quite right. Yeah, it's interesting because I've been thinking a lot about that. It was, it, I had had this completely unsettled feeling uh, right when, right from like the beginning, the opening session, you know, when we, when we get sworn in. That was on Sunday, January 3rd. So that was, you know, just a few days ago. And so the first uh, couple of days of this new Congress, uh, it did. It felt. It really felt unsettled. Uh, and I think there were two things. One, some of these uh, can't. You can't call them protesters. I, I caught myself yesterday saying protesters, and I said, "Wait a minute! I've been in protest before. This was not. A, I, I know what a protest is. I've done it with you. In fact, yeah, that's right. I, I, I've always felt it's a requirement of being a, a citizen in a democracy. Right. But they were beginning to arrive. And they, you know, they're pretty brazen, um, unapologetic. You know, we've had our offices locked down, but some of the members were, and with no guests allowed in the office building, but some of the new members of Congress, you know, some of them bring in their families, uh, but some of the new and existing members of Congress had some of these people coming in, escorting them into their offices and wandering the hallways, and it just it was uncomfortable. And this is on Monday and Tuesday now. You're not yeah, talking about Wednesday. Early Sunday. Sunday. Monday, Tuesday, uh, the Red Hats, I saw them in the buildings. And I was like, wait a minute, I can't have my, you know, I can't have my, I don't want to have my wife and kids here. But I, if I wanted to, I couldn't. I mean, we were advised not to. Yet, here are these people. So that was unsettling. But the other thing that, that I was scared about is that I, I was still harboring this fantasy that these Republican members, and it's not all Republicans, but all of them are Republicans that did it, that they would, you know, at some point kind of come to their senses and walk back from this, this ledge that they've taken this to and not go through with this challenge, this un completely unprecedented challenge to the, the rights of Americans to choose their own leaders. Because that's what it is. You know, we shouldn't say electoral college and all that. BS. Is this was a challenge to the right to Americans to pick the president? You know they didn't like that. 
And I thought, you know, foolishly now looking back, I thought, well, surely this is all just about theater and they're going to come to their senses and there'll be some sort of pro forma uh, uh, challenge offered like we've done in the past. Everyone knew it was just a pro forma thing in order to say, hey, the lines were too long in Ohio. End of story. Certify the election. On with business. No. They were convinced, some of them, the, the really nutty ones, that they were going to pull this off. They were, you know, not all of them, because most of them are just sort of cynically pandering to the redheaded base. But they were knowing that they were going to pull this off. So the whole thing caused me to feel really, really unsettled. And, and, and I, that's why you sent me that text on Tuesday. Yeah, yeah. You were unsettled. Yeah. Last night, I, I spoke to a couple of other members in the or, and staff that work on the Hill. And um, there were members um, who decided to tell their staff on Tuesday to not come to work yesterday. Yeah. Do not come to work. I had not heard that. And I don't know if that happened with your staff or whatever, but, th- but you know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. There were a number of members of Congress yeah. who told their staff to stay home. For sure. I told, I told, you know, Mitch Rivard, you know, he's from Bay City. Yep. You know, Mitch, um, my chief of staff, don't come in. If you don't feel like, like we can handle it, you know, just don't. Uh, but, you know, he's like me, you know, we're, we believe in this place. Um, and so he came in because he was going to be the one staff person allowed on the floor of the house because I was going to be, leading the Michigan delegation, you know, Brenda and Rashida, Andy and all these folks, we were all going to provide the defense to the Michigan challenge, which we fully expected to come. And we had spent three days organizing this challenge. And I was going to be the sort of the lead defender of Michigan's electoral vote. So we were like in that mode and he came in, you know, he was here. Um, Yeah. Wow. But you told you, let me get this straight though. You told your chief of staff, even he should not come in. Yeah, for sure. That's how worried you were yeah. uh, about this. Yeah. Wow. So, okay. So, so you see what I'm processing through in my head here. So if, if you, and let's say another particular um, member of uh, um, uh, the delegation might be a single mom. Um, uh, she knew to not have her staff come in. Right. People that have kids, whatever. Right. Um, she knew that they should to stay home. So clearly, clearly there not just was, it wasn't just a vibe. It, people knew that shit could go down just yeah. to put it in plain English. Yeah. And, and, and if that was the case, when I saw the statistic this morning, there are 2,300 members of the Capitol police force 2300 2300 five only 500 were asked to show up to work on wednesday on the day of the uh, insurrection here 500 and they said well their, their intelligence said that they were they probably weren't going to have you know five ten thousand people at this rally you know it's one of those you know rallies you have at the washington monument and yeah. you know not many people show up maybe maybe they're lucky they get Ted Nugent to sing a song. Yeah, uh, Scott Baio maybe might show up to say a few words. That's a, that's about as big as it's going to get, and and then it's over. 
And they're all white. And they're all white, so they're not going to do anything. Right? That's right. But it was clear watching Trump's rally there in the morning. And, you know, I'm, I'm a fairly good judge of these crowds having been to enough of enough protests and demonstrations. And that wasn't 5,000 people. That was 40,000 yeah. people, 50,000, maybe. Yeah. I couldn't see the whole, the whole range of it, but man, it was huge. And it fired Trump up, man. He was, he was at full Trump throttle. And um, the things that he said to them and told them to do, he said, we're going to now, we're going to walk up Pennsylvania Avenue. Like Giuliani had just said, we're going to take the battle. We're going to take the battle there. We're going to, and, and Don Jr. had also, he had just spoken and said, we're going up there, you know, and we're going to find out who's the heroes and who's the zeros. And we're going to, and we're, and those who are the zeros are going to pay for it. And Trump then says, and I'm going to join you. Yeah. I'm going up there with you, of course. We saw how much steel he has in that week. Yeah, he wasn't ever going to join them. But, but so, and off they go. And, um, you know, and, and by the time they all sort of gathered there, it was a stunning sight. I'd never seen, I'd never seen anybody get that close. I mean, I have to tell you, Dan, you know, you know this because I've filmed in the Capitol uh, building for many, many years. It is not an easy thing to do. You have to go through a whole lot of rigmarole just to get through that door. You have to go through an x-ray. You have to walk through the metal detector. Then they wand you. Then they make sure that it really is a camera. You've got, you know, they're doing all the things they should do. And, and then you have to say where you're going and why you're doing, they got to, you know, they want to know what you're going to be doing in this building. It's very, it's very buttoned down. It was stunning to any of us. People on my crew worked with me over the years texting me yesterday like can you believe have you ever seen no no i mean we've never seen anybody get that kind of that close that intimate um and it seemed like right at the beginning that they were able just to walk right in yeah that there that and i couldn't tell whether did the capitol police just feel overwhelmed or was it just like did they do what what uh, what police are actually taught to do in a demonstration where they are severely outnumbered, do not engage. Yeah. You know, step back, step away. But, um, but you start to think, and then you, then at one thirty-two, I get a text from you and you're saying they've broken in. Yeah. You said they've broken in. And I'm thinking, bro, oh, you must mean the Cannon office building or, you know, cause I'd heard there was some kind of scuffle over there. Yeah. And you said, no, here in Congress, in the building, in the Capitol building, I cu- I was stunned. So I'm look- I'm turning to MSNBC. Uh, Chuck Todd is talking about how great that speech was from Mitch McConnell on the floor of the Senate yesterday. <clears throat> I turn on CNN. They're talking about something else and how Biden was going to give a, a talk later in the day about the economy. I mean, literally, this is going on. This you can see the surge. And the rush through the doors and the police backing down and nobody is covering it. And then I thought, oh, of course, I know who's going to cover it. I turn on Fox News and <laughs> they're like, their reporters are embedded with, <laughs> with the insert, with the, with the mob. Uh, they have their own, you know, mob reporters. And they were giving the best. And I was texting you and telling you what I was seeing because you couldn't see it inside. No. I was telling you I, what... And 
um, I would say about 45 minutes later, you texted me and you said, you said, you're asking me, I'm a, I'm a civilian that's, you know, 500 miles away from you. <laughs> and you're asking me, <clears throat> can you see any National Guard? Can you see any National Guard? Has the National Guard arrived? And I'm like, no, there's no National Guard. And then you kind of went silent. And I thought, oh, my God. And, and at this point now, uh, the, the mob is all through the building. And they are trying to bang their way into the house floor where you're at. And you should take over the story now because um, I want people to hear firsthand from you um, what exactly happened, what you did, um, what others did, what it, uh, what it felt like. Um, and uh, just let the American people and the people around the world who listen to this podcast uh, Tell them, tell them what it was like uh, to go through what you went through when there are literally thousands of people trying to get in yeah. to do some serious damage, not just to the building, but to all of you. Yeah, it was awful, Michael. I mean, it was just awful. I'm, I'm, I'm still a bit shaken up by it all right now, even as we're talking. You know, I'm just having this emotional reaction to it because I've never experienced anything like it but you know there we were uh, you know in the middle of the Arizona debate we expected Michigan to be third and so we knew that was going to take a while so myself and 20 25 maybe 30 other members in order to be socially distant went up into the gallery it's a better view from up there we weren't going to be speaking and it's just we could sit like 15 20 feet apart from one another and not you know, violate the, you know, the protections that we need to provide. One so another. You initially went up to the balcony, what's called the gallery. Yeah. yeah. For co for essentially COVID safety reasons. Yeah. And actually, Michael's right. I, when I sat down there, I thought, wow, this is like almost the exact same seat that, that Michael and <laughs> his sister were in when we were up there watching the impeachment. So anyway, right. and it occurred to me, wow, this is the last time I was in the gallery. I was, that's what it was anyway. So I'm sitting there and, you know, every once in a while, a Capitol Police officer would come in um, and it, it seemed like they were getting more animated. And then finally, this moment occurred when several of the protective detail came in, grabbed Nancy off the rostrum, put Jim McGovern into the speaker's position, got her off the floor, got Steny Hoyer, got... Um, Steve Scalise, who's the Republican whip, and he was sort of the lead on their side. We got them off the floor like really fast with their heads down. And the rest of us are looking around at one another like, what the hell, man? Um, you know, what's going on here? They didn't say anything. And we, and Jim, you know, Jim McGovern kept it going for a bit. And then one of the Capitol Police took over the microphone on the floor and said, um, you know, we're gonna, we're gonna shelter here. Uh, locking the doors. Um, there's been a breach of the security perimeter. And we're like, okay, some guy got in. You know, we've been through that before where they do a right. lockdown because somebody ran through the metal detector. Okay, sure. Lockdown. But three or four minutes later or whatever, the time is kind of lost. The, the guy comes back up again and he says, 
uh, reach under your chair and pull out your gas mask, be prepared to put it on. And I'm shit. He said they they are in the rotunda and they're coming this way. And I'm like, they? I thought I'm, yeah, I was still headed in my head like it was one road, you know. And then they got everybody off the floor suddenly. They just said out. And the 30 or so of us that are in the gallery, we can't get out. I mean, I'd have to jump 15 feet onto the floor. I'm not going to do that. And all the doors around us to the gallery were locked. We were stuck there. And so they moved us a bit over to the, to the back wall so that if they did penetrate, they wouldn't be able to see us right away. The, the wall closest to, to, to the door that they expected them to try to come in. And that's when all hell broke loose. Um, the police, there was like only about eight or 10 police officers in the, gal- in the, in the, in the house uh, chambers at that point in time, protecting the 30 or so of us, I guess. They rolled some big cabinet in front of the doors, you know, the doors where the president comes in, you know, mm-hmm. in the center aisle of the house. They rolled this big cabinet in front of it, um, moved us around to, this, to another, to the west side, and so we could all, you know, be together if we needed to move. And that's when, you know, it got chaotic. Um, we started to hear this mob. You could hear the roar of it. You know, you get a sense of how many people because just the, the, the magnitude of the sound. And they started banging on the doors, which led to them smashing the doors. And the police officers drawing their weapons and telling all of us to just get down. And that's when I went silent for a bit. I think I did text you once when I was <clears throat> like laying down. Um, yeah, you said you were, you were laying, you were essentially laying flat on the on the uh face down on the floor uh, yeah and it was tough because you know you've been in that gallery you know how tight it is it's very yeah it's, it's an old it's an old building it's, yeah. it's a, an old balcony yes yeah you know i'm a big guy i remember saying to somebody i can't get any lower you know that little that little ledge isn't much and so like we were all trying to get down behind that ledge mm. you know to be out of the line of fire mm. um and then i hear gunfire I don't know who's shooting or where the shooting's taking place. As it turns out, I know one of the shots or a series of shots that I heard was uh, at one of the other doors to the house. And that's when the Capitol Police opened fire and shot, um, in this case, one protester, which led to her death. That happened. And so now I pieced it all together. That was part of the shots I was hearing. And I think the others might have been uh, tear gas canisters going off. But anyway... You know, I'm, I'm texting you. You, you. you sent me a text, which I'm glad you did because I, I didn't have the presence of mind. Otherwise, you said, take video, you know. <laughs> I know. I, I, and I also said, please be safe. Yeah, and I did. I did both. Yeah, I didn't know what I was doing. Because you had sent me, during this first hour or so, you had sent me some stills of what yeah. was going on. Yeah. And then, and actually it was my sister, because I was telling her what was happening. And she said, have you told him to start, to, don't send stills, take video of this. This is, I said, oh yes, um, yes. And so that's, that's when I, I uh, wrote you that note, but also wanting you to be, knowing how, what a dangerous situation this was. Yeah. But, but you then sent me, you, so you started sending me some video and there, you sent me one video that I, I posted on Facebook yesterday and I'll, I'll post it again for people listening to the podcast. 
here so you can see this. But it was harrowing, Dan. I, when I, when I when I watched your video, you everyone's ducking down. Everybody is trying to, uh, you know, should we put the gas max on now? And somebody says, no, wait till there's actually gas. Okay. Um, so and then and then all of a sudden you hear the gunfire, yeah. and you hear this one shot, which may figuring out the timeline of this might be that shot uh, that, that killed, killed one of the, the mob people. And, um, and that, and that stunned all of you. And then, and then somebody said, um, everybody take your pins off. Now for people listening, you have to know that all members of Congress have kind of a large lapel pin that they wear. So it's easily seen. There's nobody, you can't, get these pins anywhere you only a member of congress has it and it just reminds the police as you're entering in and out of the building or the chamber or whatever yes of course that's congressman kildee and um and you all thought and i and it was just maybe five minutes later that i sent you a note saying everybody take your pins off yeah. because that they're going to be looking for you they're coming in there to get you yeah and 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 we didn't know what that meant we didn't know. Oh, no, that's the thing. Like, even in retrospect, I still don't know. But we don't know. You don't know. Well, we don't know. We don't know how many of them were armed. We know a number of them were armed. Uh, some of them were, if you've seen the video of them, clearly crazy. Um, and, and maybe were up for an execution or two or three. Yeah. You didn't know that then. So but, you're in that place. Well, Michael, they had talked about this. So you remember? Yes, they had. Uh, right. To Michigan with the plan to kill the kidnap and kill the governor and, and, and have executions of the legislators. These, I can't erase that from my head. These are the same people. These are the same people that went into the Michigan legislature with long guns and camo and took it over and said that they had the right to do that because Michigan's an open carry state. And that was a, that, well, I want to, I want to, let me come back to that because yeah. I now see in hindsight because we didn't deal with them then. Yep. We didn't deal with them when they showed up at the home of our Secretary of State, who's putting up Christmas decorations with their little kid, and they all show up again with their long guns yep. and their camo outside of her home in Detroit. Um, and how horribly frightened that she was, because, of course, that's the purpose of terror, is to have you so frightened that you'll think twice before you... Uh, do what we don't want you to do from now on. But let, let me, let's just, we'll come back to that. But so, so let's pick it up where, so you, so all of a sudden there's gunfire. You yep. all take your pins off. Yep. So they won't be able to necessarily identify uh, you as a, a, a member of Congress. And, and I always say, I mean, this is not a time for uh, any humor, but I sometimes, as you know, we're both uh, Irish uh, Americans. And so uh, humor is our, our, our defense against the absolute uh, uh, whatever it is that we're going through. Uh, and and I, I almost wrote to you and I said, I think you're the safest one there because you and I, we, you and I look like them. Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> No, no offense. Right. I'm just saying we're Midwestern yeah. corn fed, uh, uh, men, white men. Right. And, uh, and, and maybe if they can't figure out if I'm a congressman or not, yeah. cause I look like them. So they're going to, maybe they'll bypass me. Yeah. We, we could pass. We, can, we, we fit the demographic. Yep. Um, so, okay. All kidding aside though, let's take it back to, so you guys are all, there's only 30 of you. That means there's 400 
members of the house that have skadoodled. Yeah, they are out of there. They're in the, the, um, the safe room. The, we have this place where we go and they're there. But really, I didn't know that then. I just didn't know. I, I just felt like, geez, this decision to go to the gallery, which seemed like the right thing turned out to be a bad move in a way. Cause yes. I just felt like we were just fucked. We were just sitting ducks. Right. Right. And so, so at that point, when the shot went off and then now the tear gas is also happening. So you all uh, have what they call these escape hoods. I'd never heard that term before. Yeah. It essentially is a gas mask. Yeah. So you're, you're all getting those out and, and putting them, take it, take it from there. So I put my, so we have these gas masks that are intended to keep us, you know, free from, it's not just for tear gas, it's for any other you know, chemical uh, that could be a lot more dangerous than just tear gas, but it's intended to, protect us mainly from chemical attack. So we have these masks and at first, you know, I put mine on for about, I don't know, 10 seconds I had it on. And I realized I couldn't hear because this little machine that pumps the air in it. I couldn't hear anyone and I couldn't see as well. And I hadn't smelled any tear gas. And that's when I think you overheard um, me asking uh, one of my colleagues, uh, this great new member, she's just started her second term. Her name is Mikey Sherrill from New Jersey. I went out and helped her when she was running two years ago. And she and I are on the floor together. She's a Navy veteran, pilot, amazing person. And so she's like, take the mask off. You'll know when you need to put it on. You know, you'll smell it. Um, so anyway, took my mask back off. And then, I, you know, we were still on the floor. My phone is blowing up because... You know, one of the things about this job, um, you feel like you lose touch with all your friends because this is just a life. It's not even a job. I hardly have any time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was cheering up a little bit because I was getting all these texts from people who were suddenly aware of what was going on. I must have gotten 400 texts in the space of about 20 minutes from friends and family and everybody who's just really checking in, seeing if I'm okay. And, you know, that couldn't help but kind of get to me a little bit. So I, my first thought was, Okay, I got to call my wife, and I'm laying on the floor, and I call her. She works remotely from home. She's not watching the news. She doesn't know what I'm talking about. Oh, my God. Wow. And I'm, I'm saying, you gotta call my mom, call the kids, tell them I'm fine. Um, I'm, I'm on the floor. We got cops in here. And she's like, what are you talking about? You know? And so she said, should I turn on the news? And I said, yeah, it'll explain a lot. But just know... I'm saying, please let them know. Because I couldn't answer all these texts. And I wanted them to know. I didn't want them to, you know. Anyway. It's a weird what you think. Right. You know? No, no. I know. Uh, so, you know, and, and so at that point, it's still chaotic. We don't know what's going on. And then, and then people start banging on those doors <laughs> to the gallery. You know, all because you went through there. There's like I don't yeah. know, 15 or 20 doors that lead to each little. Yes. It's where the press, the press sits up there too. Yeah, exactly. The press, the press were still up in there. In fact, I talked to one of the Detroit news reporters yesterday, really late, early this morning, I should say. She was in there that whole time. They went through the same shit. And I think we have a piece today, I think, about her experience. But anyway, it was um, a little scary because these people are banging on the doors and the cops are trying to figure out if that's another cop. And I'm thinking to myself, are you kidding me? You guys don't know, like you don't know, you don't have a way to communicate. You don't have like a secret knock or some damn thing. 
They're trying to figure out if the people on the other side of the door are the cops who are coming to help us or, you know, these, these, these terrorists. And we're yelling at them. I can't remember the video was on because I haven't even seen the video that I shot. I know it's probably not very good, but I, 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 I'm saying, you know, wait a minute. Don't just answer the door. Don't open the door. You don't know who this is. And the guys, our cop on our side of the door is saying, I need to see your hands. I'm thinking, are you kidding me? What is going on here? Didn't you guys plan for this? Like, don't you do drills? And, I, and believe me, I'm of two minds on this thing with the Capitol Police. Yeah. It was a failure. No question about it to plan. And there were some of these Capitol Police that I don't know what they were thinking. Maybe it is sort of a tactical thing to try to, you know, create some simpatico with some of them so that they can work with. I don't have any idea. We're going to get into that. Believe me, we're going to have real serious. Please, please. But also the guys that had their guns out and were standing between me and the bad guys, you know, I, I appreciate that. I love, I mean, these guys, men and women, they were protecting me. So I'm not going to like throw all of them under the bus when right. there were people who were standing between me and this mob with their guns drawn and protecting me. So, but I am a little pissed because I'm thinking, I'm not blaming this guy, but how is it that you all don't know what's, you know, where these people are and whether this banging on the door is a police officer trying to show us the path out or the mob. Anyway, the time, time kind of gets lost on me. So it was 20 minutes or half an hour, something like that. And then we finally did find a way out. One of the doors that led to, um, you know, there's a lot of time. I've been, I'm in all yeah. of the capital. And, and, and you do not have to say which door or how or where you got, obviously, because what was stunning to me was how well these yahoos knew where to go. They knew how to find Nancy Pelosi's office. They knew how to use the tunnels. I mean, it was stunning. If you're not familiar with Capitol Hill, it's its own universe. And, and, and I still get lost sometimes. So, but I'm going to, I'll come back to this in a second, but just so, so eventually police escorted the 30 of you out of there. Yeah. Yeah. Did you encounter any of the mob between the time you left the gallery and made it to the safe room? Um, no, no, because we went away that I'm probably, I, I can't describe. No, that's enough. They, that's okay. Yeah. Uh, let's just say you went outside the building, hiked up to Silver Spring, Maryland, uh, came around through Bethesda, yeah. and then back down to the safe room. Is that safe enough to say that? The C bus to the J. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I shouldn't say I didn't see any of them because at one point, right when it went out, the Capitol Police had, it looked like maybe a dozen of them cuffed and face down on the floor. Mm. But, wow. but that was, I, I thought at that point, I thought maybe they had other things under control. Little did I know that was really an exception. They were able no, to isolate. This was, again, Dan, this is still after where you're asking me as the National, can you see the National Guard? Yeah. And they're still not there. Sure. This is two hours into it. Yeah. I was certain that the cavalry was coming. I mean, and that's why I thought, okay, the National Guard is going to show up. We're going to, you know, because there had been this talk about whether the National Guard would be deployed. You know, this was even earlier. Where's the National Guard? We don't have enough cops. Um, 
So yeah, there we go with that. And then, um, and then you're in the safe room for a number of hours. Yeah. In the safe room for a while. You know, we got out of there and we, we, we it was a long circuitous place to get to the safe room. And we, we got there and I was there for about, you know, about four hours and then came back to my office. And, but you know, in, uh, one thing I want to mention last night, um, after it was over, was the first time I was actually able to, other than going to the floor for the debate, actually get through, go through the Capitol. I had to do um, an interview with CNN like at about 1230 uh, early this morning. And the camera was set up over in the Russell building, which is the Senate side. And so I went all, Mitch and I went all the way through the Capitol. And I could not believe what I saw, Michael. There had to be thousands of them. I had no idea before that how many people got in. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. There was stuff torn up all over. Every window that I found was bashed in and broken. Wow. Uh, Furniture smashed. Uh, Nancy Pelosi's office ransacked, you know, or at least the entrance to it was. They tore everything down. Every door uh, to every office on the way had been, you know, somehow breached or open, and there was just paper and shit all over the place and then then i i got scared again because i thought i had no idea how many of these people were in here and they were in there for a long time yes, like the four long. hours that we were in the yes. room yes they were we were in there for so long because they still couldn't they hadn't gotten these people out yet no well again there's still just those 500 cops yeah that, for, that would be there on a normal day then no planning no, the management of this, you guys, will, you'll have your investigation. You'll figure out what happened. But um, in it, on camera, you can see a number of the Capitol Police just kind of waving people in. Some of them are doing selfies with these terrorists. It Please. was pretty stunning. It almost looked, I don't want to say planned, but somebody thought this out in some way. I mean, on the outside, people repelling the walls on the outside yeah. with ropes. With, they commandeered the, the window washing machine, and they knew how to operate it. And they were going up to the second and third floor with this. Uh, yeah, people were well, climbing. I mean, if you think about it from like a military standpoint, you know, there's a general, and then there are captains and sergeants. I don't know who all these people were who were in the building who were directing them, but we know who the general was who sent them there, Donald J. Trump. You know, the, that's he right. was the leader of this. That's right. Terrible that's right. Mob. He's that's the leader right. of this mob. And these these pathetic sycophants, members of Congress that I have to look at now who have ridden this wave, you know, they for them, they were just perfectly satisfied to ride this wave of anger and venom because it served their purpose, just like that ass Trump. These members of Congress who now are trying to, well, thoughts and prayers bullshit and wash their hands of it all, they have benefited and they knew they were benefiting from that whipped up mob. As long as it didn't get too far out of hand, they were willing to continue to just throw another log on that fire because it benefited them. They were warmed by that heat of that fire that they continued to stoke. And they used it back in November to take some seats. They were happy, satisfied to be a part of it until things get out of hand. Now they're all doing gymnastics 
to try to figure out a way to not have been aligned with these people. You know what? Yeah. Too late, guys. Too late. It's like right. Mitch McConnell giving his speech. It's like Lindsey Graham giving his speech. Why are their greatest, the greatest speeches these guys ever give delivered too late to do a damn bit of good? You know? I'm sick well, they, of people. I'm, it's like an arsonist. Who, yeah, that's who, what it is. Who, and then the fire, yeah, yeah, they, they can think of it as one of these California wildfires. The fire gets out of control, and then the arsonist, uh, who, like most humans, has a conscience, and then, he, oh, I didn't know it would get this bad, and then goes down and volunteers to be a fireman. Uh, you guys need any help putting out the fire? Well, this is the guy that helped set the fire. That's what they all looked like to me last night. And and Dan, after and it was it was great that 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 order was restored. Quote: um, You everyone came back in. The Republicans knew that they could not go on with the other four states that they wanted to counter. They just going to wrap up the the last one that when you got interrupted and be done with it. And um, because they did, they know what this would look like on TV. That after all of this, now there's four people dead. There's dozens that are injured, including some of the police, and they're going to just go on with this charade and this lie. Couldn't believe. It. Even they, they couldn't. They couldn't. Most of them couldn't pull it off. But, 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 uh, uh, Holly, there, the senator um, uh, from Missouri. Uh, he kept it up. He kept going. Louis Gomer. The House members, look at here's the thing. Really, it's amazing. The Senate, at least some of them, you know, kind of came to their senses. There were supposed to be 12 or 13 of them that were part of this, and it got down to like six or seven. But still, the six or seven of them didn't give up at all. In the House, not one of them changed their minds. Right. It was still 140, almost 140 yeah. of them. Still, when the vote came and you held a vote after this death and destruction, they continued, they voted to create, to participate in an act of sedition. They did. They put the, they voted they, to say that the people of Arizona and Pennsylvania, we reject their votes yep. for Joe Biden and uh, Kamala Harris. And, and, um, I couldn't believe it, Dan. I couldn't believe it. 104, that's two-thirds of all the Republicans that you've got to work with in that House of Representatives. Two-thirds of them committed an act of sedition and voted to reject the, the, the votes of the American people. What, how are you going to, to chit-chat and, and work with them from this point and knowing what, that they were willing to take down the United States of America? I can't. I don't know how I can, Michael. I don't. I will never, ever look at these people the same way. You know, around here, you know, there's this sort of culture of comedy and, you know, deference to one another. You know, you know your district. I know mine. I won't judge you. You don't judge me. We disagree. We fight it out on the issues. But, you know, there's that's sort of the nature of the place. Bullshit. You know, I mean, the, 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 the members of Congress, especially the majority of the ones who voted this way, they know better. They knew these were all, you know, fabrications, confections, all this rumor stuff that they kept repeating. And then they would say, well, we're hearing it from we're hearing it over and over. Yeah, you're hearing it over and over. You're hearing the echoes of your own voice over and over. That's what they're hearing. 
They're saying it, and then it's feeding back to them. Trump says it. If, if, if they say it enough times, suddenly it's a big thing. No, it all came from one thing, a, a confection. So anyway, they know better. And this is the most, this is the worst part of it all. They know better, but they still decided to go through with it. And some of them, I, I've had these conversations leading up to this, said, I just can't, I just can't uh, say no. I'm getting too many calls. It's as if somehow they can do it, but then not take responsibility for the consequences of it all. They can't separate themselves from this because they legitimize the mob mentality. Yeah. Because they they make, they put some sort of uh, paint of legitimacy on this ridiculous confection that has been spewed out there. They put fuel on the fire that led to this big explosion yesterday. And so, you know, they decided, and, and this is something that I, I was warning them before, and I'm going to continue to say, they, these members of Congress and Senate made a conscious, dis, de, adult, deliberate decision to put their name on a list that is written in indelible ink for all of history to look at. And it's the list of people who stood on the side of that mob, that crazy, dangerous mob, and continued to pretend that what they were saying was true because they're afraid of their own voters. They, and, and, and it's also hard to erase the fact that that list has many characteristics. One is sedition against the United States. The other, clearly, um, is that when you think about and listen to the characterizations of the of the places that they talk about as having had these phony votes, which we know is bullshit. They're all uh, communities of color. All of them. Right. This, what they're trying to do is delegitimize, minimize, marginalize black voters the same way Orbel Favis, when he stood in the, in, the, in the school doorway, George Wallace, Bull Connor did. So they get to go on the list. They get to go on the Bull Connor list. Yeah, yeah. And, and there's another list, though. And, 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 you know, we kind of expect Democrats to do the right thing in this case because, you know, we've been fighting this battle for so long. But there's another list of Republicans who voted against this nonsense yesterday, knowing that they were going to pay a political price for it. They get to go on the list with John Lewis. You know, that's right. And, you know, I'll still disagree with them on a lot of stuff. Yeah. Just like I won't ever be able to look in the eye some of these traitors to our country that I have to look at every single day now. I'll also, as I did yesterday, give a little wink or a hug or a pat on the back to my opponent on some argument because at least they had the will to stand up and do what's right. Like, Chip Roy is one of my sort of arch enemies in Congress on every issue. You know, Chip has is, is worked for Ted Cruz. He's just a guy that I disagree with on almost everything. And I went up to him yesterday after the vote and I said, you know, uh, I don't know how long this will last, but, you know, you and I are good right now. You and I are good. You did right. You stood up. And he, he, he stood against this nonsense. Mm. You know? I really I want to put a button on this. I want to take it back to the to, to Michigan. What we saw months ago happening, and in, in, in the the sad end result of what happened yesterday. So okay, so 
um, so you're saying this about, yes, we need a, we need a plaque. We need their names. The ones who, who participated in this on that plaque. Yep. And, and here's what gets me. It's like after the terrorist attack yesterday, they then come back into Congress late last night and they vote for the very thing the terrorists said and were demanding that they wanted done. They, they did what the terrorists did. It's so bizarre. It's like, it would be like on, on, on um, 9-11, the terrorists were able to take down the North Tower and the South Tower. And they were able to take out one part of the wing there of the Pentagon. And six hours later, 140 members of Congress say, you know, they meant to also take down uh, tower number four and tower number five, and also the, the other wing of the Pentagon. Uh, let's blow those up too, because it's, it's what the terrorists wanted. And then they vote to bring down the other two towers and the other side of the Pentagon. It's the same damn thing. That's exactly what they did. They, they voted for what the terrorists were demanding. Yep. And fortunately they lost. There's the good news of this. Yeah. Fortunately, the good, the good news from yesterday was that the Democrats now have control with Kamala Harris as the president of the Senate, now control the House, the Senate, and the White House, and you guys can get some great things done. Yeah. Oh, my God. The, the, we never got to celebrate that yesterday. No, but at, the, at the same time, 4,000 Americans, a record, the record day for COVID, 4,000 died in one day yeah. yesterday, and we're having to deal with this crap. I, yes, I want their, all their names on that, on that plaque. I want, in the future, people to know these members of Congress, that they participated. They just did their job. Their job wasn't breaking windows. Their job wasn't trying to, as one did, they're taking down the American flag on the, on the first balcony there of the Capitol building outside and then raising the Trump flag there. Yeah. So that wasn't, that wasn't the, the Republicans' job, the Republicans from from uh, Missouri and, and in Montana and elsewhere. No, their job was to give the terrorists what they wanted, which was to stop Joe Biden from entering the white house yeah. based on false falsehoods that are so beyond the pale. And the fact that they did that, Dan, please tell me, and I know we're going to, we're getting near the end here. Just tell me that not only is there going to be an investigation as to how this was planned, how they were able to pull it off, how these numbskulls knew where to find Nancy Pelosi's office. I've been in that building so many times, I can't tell you where it is. How this happened, this was not an accident. This wasn't random. When the mayor of D.C. called Trump an hour into this, begging for the National Guard, and he refused. And so that your colleague from Michigan, Congresswoman Slotkin, because she had worked at the CIA at one time. Right. She calls General Milley, the chair of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. I don't know if people know this story. She calls them, calls him, and says, we need the National Guard. And he immediately jumps into action with her, uh, with um, uh, the acting defense secretary, gets him on the line, and then they call Pence. And they tell Pence, you've got to release the National Guard. In the meantime, and Pence does, but in the mean, but now we're two or three hours late here. Yeah. In the meantime, the mayor of D.C. who has no power. And by the way, please, can we make 
the District of Columbia? Can we have a state called Columbia? Absolutely. Because, because again, this is a racial thing here. It's the only reason it's not a state because it's a black city. So if she was the governor of that state, you would have had National Guard there right away. There would have been protection. Instead, she's calling Virginia. She's calling Governor Northam to please send in your guard. And she's calling the, the Republican governor of Maryland. And Northam sends his guard in. The Republican governor sends at first just the state police, but that's good enough. Yeah. But this is so maddening to sit here and to watch this happening or not happening. And I, I want to hear that this is going to get fixed on that level. And, and there, everybody who trespassed, everybody who participated in the riot, in the insurgency, in the act of terror, tell me, Dan, that there are going to be arrests. Do you realize there's no arrests? They, you, they, by the way, I just want to make this clear. People, if you've heard on the news there's been arrests, yes, there were arrests. You know what the arrests were? The 90% of the arrests were people who violated the curfew last night. People were out walking on the sidewalk after 6 p.m. That's the arrest. None of these people have been arrested. Yeah. There has been, as you and I are recording this, Dan, no press conference by any law enforcement. No, we don't even know really all that happened. I mean, just keep in mind, when, when, during the Black Lives Matter movement uh, down on what is now uh, Black Lives Matter Plaza, there were 400 people arrested that night when they were peaceful. When they were peaceful, and it was, the, it was Trump's direction to the military to engage them that led, was the only act of violence that occurred. That's right. 400 people arrested. Well, National we, haven't even, all over the place. we haven't even touched the racial part of this. And, and you know, you are the representative of a, a number of cities that are majority black or half and half black, half white. So you're very familiar with, with this, but, but anybody watching this saw it yesterday. Oh my God, they're getting away with this because they're white and they're carrying an American flag that they don't believe in, by the way. Yeah, right. So what they really had was their Confederate flags and they got to fly for the first time. The Confederate flag flew through the Capitol. That guy carrying that flag yep. that Robert E. Lee and Jefferson Davis, the president of the Confederacy, were never able to fly the Confederate flag in the United States Capitol until yesterday. That Trump little piece, the Civil War, was won by them yesterday. Trump, yeah, actually, let's be clear. Trump got it done. Trump got it done. He's right. It's why we didn't even have an authorization for our, our own protection with the military for a week or so, because he, he vetoed it because he wanted to protect the Confederate generals that are named on the, these bases. My God, we, Dan, what, here's this, my last question to this. What can be done to, this is, everybody's saying this today. I mean, they, Colbert said it, they, they dumped their whole show. Him and Seth Myers did a whole hour live at midnight. What can we do to remove Trump today? Yeah. What can we do to remove these 140 Republicans in the House and there's seven or so in the Senate that committed an act of sedition? What can we do to remove Trump today? He should not serve these next. He is a national security threat. I watched at least three former national security advisors today call him an alive, living national security threat. He should not have the nuclear codes. He should not be in charge of anything. Yeah. Impeaching him, you got to get two-thirds of the Senate. So even though we have the Senate, we don't have two-thirds. So... That's not going to happen. There's the 25th Amendment. Have you put some thought into this of how can you, you, our congressman from Flint, how can you protect us from this madness? Because I have to just say this, and I'm, I'm so tired after four years 
of like I'm howling in the wind here about Trump, telling people for years from the beginning that he was never going to leave, no matter what happens four years from now. He'll yeah. never leave. He won't. He and yet, and yet, I'm telling you, if you think it was just yesterday, people listening to this right now, it is not going to be just yesterday. There is more crap that's going to fly. Yeah, that little thing that he released at three in the morning about there will be a peaceful transition. You can tell that was written by that by his uh, caddy Dan Scavino wrote that. And if you are if you follow Trump on Twitter, you, occasionally there will be like a a, a, a tweet. That, that has correct syntax and grammar that's not written by trump those are written by dan scavino right. uh, uh his aide uh but most of them are written by trump that this this concession that it wasn't a concession at all it was just say well, there will be a peaceful transition don't believe any of it he retracts things that he says he's going to do like five minutes later yeah. we are in danger congressman Kildee. We are, we are, this is not hyperbole and I'm sick and tired of having to be the one to warn everybody, but I am going to, I am going to sound the warning siren again here today that we, somebody, you guys in Congress, uh, or, or I, whether it's the FBI, I don't know who it's got to be, but something has to happen to stop him, to protect this country. We've got almost two weeks still to go through and, and, and uh, Trump is going to be a bull in the China shop, and he's not going to—he's not going to quiet down. And you know, and here's what we've learned this morning: his supporters haven't left town. No, I've seen them. Yeah. I walked in. I—I I wouldn't exactly call it a disguise, but I certainly wasn't, you know, in my normal congressional gear when I walked in this morning because I was like, I don't know. I've been talking, to, texting with some of my members, um, you know, who are on planes plane loads full of, of these people who are going back. So I'm trying to figure out how I'm getting home without having to come face to face with the mob again. They're not gone. Uh, somebody said that uh, one of the members uh, is in sort of transition between apartments and just staying in one of the hotels and got back uh, to the hotel. And uh, these people were sitting in the lobby smoking cigars last night at three or four in the morning celebrating. Oh my God. So they're still there in DC. Yeah. Well, that means you're still in danger. Everybody's in danger. Although they're I, not going I, I, to leave. There's an army here now. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's all the national guard from four or five States. I heard some yeah. New York national guard are down there now. It's huge. And I don't think they're going away for a while, but you know, thanks a lot guys. Where were you when we needed you? But, but anyway, I don't blame them. I blame the leader. No, no, I understand. But still here's the thing, Dan, none of them were arrested. So they saw that they got away with it. They yeah. got away with all the death that? and destruction and nothing and no consequences. Yep. If there are not consequences to the actions that were taken yesterday, I'll make this prediction right now. What you saw yesterday, this is going to happen again and again and again during the Biden years. And there will be bloodshed because next time, Dan, they won't just be banging on the door, breaking the glass and that they're going to have weapons. Oh, yeah. They're going to come in to the House and the Senate, and they're going to spray bullets. And there are going to be a lot of dead people that were elected by the people of the United States of America. And and, and we're going to look back and say, and this is why I said earlier, I said we'd close on this, that why didn't we do something about Michigan months and months and months ago when they showed up, they took over our Capitol building. They they shut down the business of the Capitol for a day or two. They, they, They were afraid they put fear into everybody. 
and 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 then and then going to the governor's house and going to the secretary of state's and all the threat of we could kill you in the next second if we wanted to, and because we we as Michiganders, I'm I'm sorry I got to take some responsibility for this because we yeah. did not demand their arrest. Yeah, no. And I just think that helped lead to them being encouraged that they could get away with what they got away with yesterday because we didn't stop them in Michigan. And because they got away with it yesterday, and believe me, as we speak right now, they got away with it. Make no mistake. And, and they got their 140 Republicans in the House and the seven or eight in the Senate still with them, still with them. Yeah. Dan, I'm sorry to have to <laughs> – I don't mean to be yelling, but I'm like, what – what is the plan? What are we going to do? What are you thinking about doing today, tomorrow? What have you heard from the others? This cannot stand in no. silence. Well, my, you know, what I have asked for is us, for us to put an impeachment resolution on the floor. We don't need to have a debate. We don't need to go through a process. People know where they stand. Voice vote. Voice vote. Yeah. And, and, well, you know, and somebody might object, and then we'll have a roll call. Everybody's got to come in. We'll do our job. We'll get it done. You know, the... the it all comes down right now to whether or not, and I'm worried about this, whether or not even today, even still, enough of these Republicans are willing to stand up. Because not in the House, but in the Senate, if we were to impeach, we need, you know, what, 16, 17 of them or whatever the number is, right? We need 17, right. Yeah. yeah. So we need that. And this kind of goes to Mitch McConnell. You know, words are cheap, Mitch. Words are cheap. Nice speech. And I, you know, everyone said it was a great speech. I didn't see it because I was on the floor of the house doing my job. But let's just give let's just, I'll just stipulate. Great speech, Mitch. Actions are, speak louder than words. You don't get to talk your way out of this. You got to, you've got to do something. So if Mitch McConnell today was true to what he said last night, he would call the Senate in and, and he would say, look, you know, maybe there's six or seven of you that are still going to stick with this guy. But if you're willing to vote against him to stop this treason, why don't you just vote to get him out of office so we don't have to think about it for the next 13 days? A lot of bad things can happen in 13 days. A lot of bad things happened yesterday in the span of 13 hours. We don't think they can do something worse in, in a period of 13 days or he might do something. Who knows what he's going to do? Who knows what's going on inside that? head of his right now. So, you know, it's two things that can happen. One, Mitch McConnell can grow a pair and do the right thing and end this. Or his cabinet and the vice president can exercise the 25th Amendment and end it right now. Now. What's the chance of that? You know, there's some, right? Some there's chance. Some. There's more. I don't think it's very likely, but there's a lot more chance based on some conversations that I've had uh, about members of his inner circle and, and his cabinet. Um, I had a conversation with Greg Pence, who's Mike's, Mike Pence's brother who served in Congress. You know, and I've never really gotten along with him, although personally we get along, but we don't, you know, we're just not on the same page on anything. But I talked to him a couple of times yesterday. You know, and I think I think he would be. I, I can't speak for him, obviously, but they're not happy. Let's put it that way, and they're scared about what this guy is going to do. This is their, this is their chance to change the narrative of their legacy. Yeah, I mean, because they're gonna. You know, this is the whole thing right now. 
is the time where the lists are being drawn up. This is what we call a defining moment, right? This, and, and that term actually sometimes just gets tossed around. No, this is a defining moment. What these people do in this moment will define them for all of history. This is not a small moment. This is a moment in history that we will remember like some of the other really big moments, 9-11, December 7th, all of these, you know, not to be too hyperbolic, but this is in that category, right? It's a big one. They're going to define for themselves their own legacy, and they get to make a choose, and they don't get to just wait for the question to come to them. They have to affirmatively act. Mitch would have to affirmatively act. Cat members of the cabinet, uh, you know, Steve Mnuchin would have to affirmatively act and say, I know that I can do something. And, I, and, and so therefore, I'm obligated to do it. They get to make that choice and put themselves on the list of people who rolled the dice and thought, well, maybe you know, I want to do this. It's too much. It's going to be painful, controversial, blah, blah, blah. And maybe these 13 days will just pass, nothing will, nothing will happen, and then I'll just breathe a big sigh of relief. Or they can stop it right now. Yeah, yeah, it will not be a silent 13 days. So, Dan, so our two choices are we need 17 Republicans to, to convict in the Senate. That's probably not going to happen. And we need half, or we need half the cabinet and Pence to go along with the 25th Amendment. Or more possible. More possible, but not necessarily. Not necessarily. Those are if those are our only two choices. How do we get through these thirteen days? What What is your advice? Just keep our heads down and and hope for the best. Uh, no. Say a prayer or two. No. What What's we got to make noise, Michael? We have to predict what they're doing, and and, and people, you know, you, you and I are friends, and I love you, but I also admire the way you look at things, because a long time ago, you said GM was walking away from Flint. But when you said it, we'd only lost half the jobs. Now we've lost 90%. You were right. You said, we've got gun violence brewing in this country when Kayla Rowland was killed before there was a Columbine or this whole spate of bad things happening. You said a lot of things, but also that Donald Trump was going to win this election. People better wake up and start listening to these voices who are telling them the truth and act before these things happen. You know, you always get targeted because you tell people the things that they don't want to hear. They don't want to know it. They don't want to, they don't even want to contemplate the possibility of this stuff. And people just damn well better wake up and start listening and quit telling themselves that everything's going to be okay and they can just go back to, you know, making soup and playing croquet or whatever they're doing with their time. Being, as, as, as Harry Chapin would say, being, a, a, you know, a, what does he say? Democracy is a participation sport or a full, I don't care. He said, he said uh, democracy is not a spectator sport. It's yeah. a participatory event. Yeah. So people better start. Everybody off the bench. Yeah. People better start participating uh, because there's a consequence to failure to participate. And we just saw it. Thank you for those kind words. And what, what you said, it's, it's, uh, uh, it's, it's been decades of, of having to, 
I'm just, I just, I try to do what I think is best. And, um, and, and, you know, over the years, more and more have fortunately listened, but, uh, and you know, I know you don't want to be right about this stuff. No, I want to be wrong. I yeah. so want to be wrong. I, and, and in fact, I want everything to get better. So I be, can be put out of a job because I don't want to have to keep making these films and doing these things. If, if we would just get a, a, just a few things right in this country. And I think we have a chance now with the new administration, with the Senate, with the house. So I have that hope. I, I am so proud of the state of Georgia for, for, electing both a black man for the first time ever and to elect a young Jewish man in the deep South to represent the state of Georgia. I mean, wow. So there is much, much to be legitimately optimistic about, but I'm afraid to say and close on this, what I need, I feel I need to say this to people that this will be not a quiet 13 days. No. And there is going to be, Things that we're not even thinking of right now, some god awful things will happen. It's god awful enough that four thousand a day now are dying of COVID, and still there's no leadership. Still, nothing is truly being done. And now this, these Pfizer vaccines are are rotting. They're going to be past their due date, and we're going to be stuck. And Biden's going to have an awful time. But I'm telling you, my friends, yes, what Dan said. This is make your voices heard. Let these members of Congress and these senators know that we will always pay attention now. We will always be active. We will always vote. And we have their names. We have their numbers. And when it comes time again, we, because we are nonviolent people, we will take the nonviolent path and remove them from office the way you do in a democracy, not with the way, not what happened yesterday. And Dan, I just, I just want to say to you personally, uh, uh, not only to be safe, yeah. When you said that just now, a few minutes ago, about as you were laying on the floor there in the, in the house chamber and hearing the gunshots and, and your phone is blowing up with texts from every family member, <laughs> extended family member, fr- uh, friends that you maybe hadn't spoken to in years. And everybody is sick to death thinking that something is happening to you because we all know the past stories of those phone calls to the wife. I'm okay. It's okay. Everything's good. The phone calls from the World Trade Center. The phone calls yeah. from the Pentagon. The phone calls that, that when, in fact, you're not okay and you're not safe and you are not safe. And I have to tell you, when, um, yesterday when, I, when you went silent there for almost an hour after you're essentially begging me to be your eyes and ears, do you see any National Guard? I'm in New York. Do you see any National Guard? You're, you're texting me this. And, Dan, I teared up. Yeah. I, for that time, we didn't know what, and I could see the thousands, thousands coming in, angry, knowing some of them are armed. And, and I, I got tears in my eyes thinking, holy Jesus, please, please don't, don't let anything happen to them. Yeah, it was it was awful, Dan. I'm going to tell you this. I know exactly how your wife and your kids and your grandkids and everybody else must have felt. Um, the staff that you said maybe should stay home, probably eternally grateful to you for that. And but uh, I just um, I'm not going to be quiet. I don't want anybody listening to this to be quiet. And I I want you to know that that I and others have your back. And um um. We're going to do what we can in these next few days to stop the madness 
to arrest the people that did this, to remove Donald Trump, and to let those seditious members of the House and the Senate know, as you said, their name is now on an indelible plaque forever as people who tried to destroy the vote of the people of the United States of America. Um, I'm, I'm sorry to go on so long with that, but I was just so emotionally upset yesterday. I've known you uh, since you you were probably 17 or 18 yeah. at the time. And um, I, I actually, when you said you sort of went in in disguise today, I was hoping that you were wearing your Flint Northern hockey uh, <laughs> jersey. I wish uh, I had. <laughs> Because <laughs> those guys, you know, they would see Flint and they would say, don't mess with us. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Flint also is a warning. Do not mess with us. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, uh, my brother, Thank I you. love you. And um, uh, please be safe. Don't take any of this for granted. You have some power there. Do what you can do to protect us, to protect this country over these next couple of weeks. And then, and then, when we get through this, damn it, man, full speed ahead. Absolutely. House, Senate, White House, all in our hands. Let's go. Let's Thank do you, it. Paul. Thank you. Thanks for being such a good friend. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I want to be able to talk to you again. So, uh, you know, do what you have to do. Thanks. All right. Uh, we've been speaking to Congressman Dan Kildee, uh, rep- who represents the 5th Congressional District in Michigan, which uh, covers Flint, Saginaw, Bay City, uh, Ascoda, Tawas, they're in that too, aren't they? Yeah, oh yeah. yeah we're all the way up, all the way up uh, I-75 and across over by Lake Huron. Thank you for taking this time. I know you're so busy today and please go do what needs to be done for the people right now. Please do that. And, um, and we'll talk soon. Great, thanks. All right, thanks. And thank you to everybody um, who listened and participated in this podcast. You can uh, send me an email at mike at michaelmoore.com. I read all my emails. And if you want to leave me a voice message, I listen to all my voice messages. Uh, There's a link for a number. Uh, You just click on the link on the podcast page here and you can leave a one minute uh, voice message. I'd love to hear the feedback. Uh, Send me your ideas, things that maybe Dan and I haven't thought of. Maybe you know. Uh, So I want to hear uh, from you. So uh, please do that. Please share this podcast with your friends and family. Uh, It's free. Let them know they can find it just about anywhere they can find a podcast on Apple or Google or Spotify or Stitcher, every place that has podcasts. We're in a dangerous moment, my friends. Don't think for a second it was just yesterday. I don't know what's next. They've not left D.C. and Trump hasn't left D.C. and he is the general, as Dan said. He is the ringleader. He is the one that incited them. We've faced adversity before Um, and we are. We are Americans with all of our flaws and all of our faults and all the ways that we haven't fully realized our democracy that was promised to us, but still can, we can still get there. To my African-American listeners, to Latino listeners who had to watch that yesterday and know that a bullet would have been put in every single head, had, had those people been black Americans, Hispanic Americans, a bullet in every one of their heads. It's exactly, and, and we all know it, that's what would have happened because they were white and they were waving their flags, Confederate flags, American flags, Trump flags. They were able to get away with it and be in that building for a very, very, very long time. So I say this to you, to my black and brown and people of color listeners, I'm well aware 
of the privilege that was on full display yesterday. And I will work, I will work like hell to continue to bring an end to this. It was a different form of white supremacy yesterday, but that's exactly what it was. And together, together, as Dan said, we need to make some noise. And we need to make it today. Bless all of you. Everybody be safe. That's it for now. I'm Michael Moore, and this is Rumble. Thank you.